So now I have organic traffic, you know, some people just randomly looking me up Mm -hmm. and then I actually sticky. So, you know, 14, 15 hours goes by because I stickied right before I went to bed and had to handle all the, you know, the stuff I had to do the next day. The next time I open up my computer, there's like $25,000, $30,000 in sales. So I'm like, okay, now, now we're ready to go. <laughs> The following podcast is a Carolina Boys production. Welcome back, everyone, to Crime and Entertainment. It is your host, Hollywood Wade, here. We hope everyone enjoyed last week's episode with Stephen Miller, giving you a little insight into the drug smuggling operation he was a part of. Also had a midweek drop with Ciro DiPaggio, who's got his new movie, The Mob King, going on down there. Got his premiere watch party coming up middle of the month. I'm going to be down there in Hollywood, Florida, that really cool-ass-looking guitar hotel for this red carpet event. So it should be a blast. If you're near the uh, Hollywood, Florida area, come on out, hang out with Hollywood zero. A lot of the guys from the cast going to be a lot of people there. It's going to be a hell of a time. My friend, you can bank on it. Now this week, if you heard that opener there, that guy was talking about what he done and basically a little over eight hours, pretty much why he slept. He started making about $30,000 a day. This was a former drug kingpin of the dark web Colby cop. Now in a very short period of time, Colby managed to put together a pill pressing machine and was selling counterfeit pills on the dark web. And he basically masterminded this whole operation. And at its peak, it was bringing in, as he said, folks, about $40,000 a day. This is a highly entertaining interview. And it's all kind of with an exclamation point is he's already been caught. He's already been sentenced. And he's got now, by the time this episode is dropping, less than three weeks before he has to turn himself in to do a five-year prison stint. So check out this interview right here with Colby Cop here on Crime and Entertainment. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Crime and Entertainment. We have here probably, I got a feeling this is going to be one of the most interesting interviews we've done just because the current situation in the state of that this man is in with what we're going to get into here today. Please welcome to the show, Colby Cop. Colby, how you doing, my friend? Thank you for having me on. I'm doing well. All things considered, I guess. <laughs> yeah, all things considered. You got you, as you know, you know, you know well, if you're going through turmoil, you have to always have a positive outlook because that also impacts how you get through the situation. So, yes, you're absolutely correct. And having a positive outlook is is crucial because it's easy to get uh swept up and you know the thoughts and you know that can lead to depression which can lead to you know a number of other things and and most of those aren't good <laughs> um so we're going to get into your story here a little bit today you basically use the dark web to do all sorts of things from selling drugs you were actually counterfeiting pills is that correct yes I mean, you've done a lot of stuff on the dark web. People may have heard of the dark web, but for some of our listeners, 
that maybe aren't too familiar, kind of give them a little overview of what the dark web actually is. So what we're on right now is referred to as the clear web. Mm -hmm. All that means is that it's indexable by like all standard search engines like Google and Bing and all that. The dark web is not indexable, meaning you can't just simply go on there and search it up. You need special software to be able to interface with the websites that exist on the dark web. And that software is called the onion router or more commonly known as Tor. That's how you get on the dark web. Okay. Yeah. I've heard of Tor before. Um, so let's start from the beginning here before we just jump right into the dark web stuff. Tell us a little bit about, you know, who you are, where you grew up and what early life was like for you. I grew up in a small town in Connecticut called Winstead. You know, it was kind of like a country type of environment. I had a real laid back time growing up. I was a very good student, 4.0 GPA. I uh, played sports, you know, football track and field, wrestling. Um, I never really touched a drug until I was 18 years old. That was the first time I smoked weed, you know? Yeah. Wow. Um, So how did this come about with you getting involved with doing dealings on the dark web? I always find that interesting. There's always that that one little chance meeting or chance conversation or, (laughs) or one thing that just spawns a whole slew of shit that follows and that's what i like to start with i have a multitude of those chance meetings and encounters the first one you know i said i'm a part of my friend group and we're you know we're laid back there i guess you could say we're all geeky if you will you know we like video games and shit like that going Mm -hmm. on the internet right so one day one of my friends has some very high quality weed and i'm like bro you don't you don't, you we never leave town. Like, where are you going to get this? Like, this is way better than anything here. And he's like, come here. He pulls out his laptop and I'm like, why are you opening up your computer? What are you, what are you going to do? He said, listen, if you want this, you want some weed for me, give me $200 in cryptocurrency. So I, you know, I go on my Coinbase, get $200. He's like, send it over here and then just watch what I do. He proceeds to go on dream market, which is, um, it's like Amazon, but for narcotics, it's called a dark net market. And he orders some weed. And I'm like, how are we going to get it? He's like, bro, the mailman brings it to you. <laughs> I'm like, wait, 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 what do you mean the mailman brings it to us? We're all going to go to jail. He's like, well, I would have been to jail about 78 times already if that were the case. So I'm like, okay, what's the chance of this stuff actually coming to us? He's like, well, this particular person had like 3000 individual reviews and like 7,000 sales. So we had a very good chance of this actually getting to you. And four days later I opened it up and I'm like, this is insane. So we, you know, we're kids. So one day I'm like, can we guys, I want to try acid. Can we get acid off the dark web? <laughs> and we do. We get mushrooms. We get a wide assortment of whatever we want, you know, just to party on our own. And then one day, being the idiot that I am, I'm like, guys, why don't we sell weed? <laughs> you That's know, the natural progression, though. I mean, you know, yeah. get it. it's good. It's better than anybody else around at the time has so that you become the go to person. That makes sense. Yeah. So I'm selling weed. One of my friends, you know, that I'm selling weed with, he's like, hey, listen, my dad, uh, you know, I don't know, like what you are be, what you'd be willing to to procure, but 
like my dad likes to sell cocaine. Like if you could get cocaine, I'm like, I, I wasn't really open to the idea at the time. But uh, as time progressed, you know, the dude was like, come on, come meet my dad. Right. So I go and meet his dad and he's like, listen, son, if you can get good drugs off the dark web for me and have it actually get shipped to wherever I want it, I'll make you rich. He's like, you're telling me if I give you the money, let's say for four ounces of cocaine, right? I could just have it shipped directly to anywhere I want and not have to handle it myself. And it's really good. And I'm like, yeah, in theory, he's like, really? Immediately just hands me a hundred dollar bill. He's like, get a gram for a sample. Right. So we do that and oblige. And like four or five days later, the gram shows up and it is amazing. You know, I didn't do cocaine at the time, but from the people that sampled it, they told me it was a very high quality, better than anything you could get around here. Yeah, I think I heard you say on, on Matt Cox's podcast, which, by the way, shout out to Matt Cox for uh, brokering this introduction. I think you said basically this was stuff maybe cut on just one time. If even that, if it's, even that, it was clearly right off of the kilo. It was really good stuff. So In for people who don't understand that logic, logic, that's when, when the, when the keys are formed in Colombia. you know, every time it changes hands, typically it's, it's cut with something to kind of double product, which enhances more money. So by the time it reaches all the way down to your street corner dealers, it's nowhere near the amount of potency that it was when it was first originally made. So when you're getting this stuff, it's basically almost, if not straight from the source. Yes. Did you guys test the purity of it at all? Just to be curiosity. <laughs> we, our girlfriend says to the purity of it for us. You know what it was? No. Well, I mean, they did it. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I meant like actually like putting it on the thing until it melts. No, no. How many degrees of it? Okay. So, but I mean, obviously it was good if everybody was, was going. Yeah. What year are we talking? What year is this? Like 20. 18. Okay. So not that long ago. No, not at all. Not at all. Wow. You know, that this was like a year, a year and a half to two years after I graduated high school. Okay. So I started down this road when I was 19 years old. So how long did you do the weed before you got introduced to doing the Coke? Five months, I'd say five, six months, maybe. And how much weed did you get in that five months you thought? Probably like 30 pounds, nothing insane. You know what I mean? But over time, like that's, it's not that bad. Right now, where are you guys shipping? Obviously you don't want it coming to your doorstep or did you have it sent to your doorstep? Oh, we had people who be like, listen, if you just, you know, let us ship like five pounds to your house or something like that, we'll give you a couple ounces for free. Right. Right. And then eventually it got to the point where we kind of like told the people we were selling it to, like the dealers are like, listen, like we could just make it just get shipped right to your house and we'll drop your prices. So they just obliged because they don't have to physically handle anything and it just shows up right to their house. So, yeah. Wow. Okay. So now when the coat comes into play, obviously that's way more money. You're talking way more money. So way more money. he gives you the hundred. He samples the gram. Everybody's happy. What's yeah. your first big order of Coke? Uh, eight ounces at first, immediately right after the gram. And then we kept we keep getting eight ounces at a clip, eight ounces at a clip. And then we jumped to 12 ounces. And then we jumped to a pound, which is about a half kilo. Right. And then we get up to the point where we're getting a kilo to like a kilo and a half at a clip. 
Now, when you say at a clip, are you talking every week, every month? What do you about every week? Wow, that's a lot. Every of, week, that's a lot. Sometimes less than the week. Sometimes you know, a couple more days than a week. It really would depend on how fast we could sell it all, and then turn whatever we needed into cryptocurrency to then go order the stuff. Right, and that's a a process that can be a little tedious in and of itself. I think I heard you mention, and you correct me if I'm wrong, and you don't have to say the name if you don't want to, but wasn't this dad friend of yours a member of a uh, certain motorcycle club? Yeah, they were part of a motorcycle club. And uh, that motorcycle, uh, he he was already a Coke dealer to begin with, right? So mm-hmm. uh, the motorcycle club, they got indicted, ATF, FBI, DEA, the leader got put in prison. So he was sitting back like, you know, nothing happened to me. I got lucky, but I have this. I don't want to lose all my business that I've took in like a year and a half to two years to build up. Like I got to find something to replace this, mm-hmm. you know? So were you nervous when they got taken down? Cause were you guys kind of giving them product at the time? Uh, no, no, this was taken down before I even met him. Oh, okay. All right. All right. So, so that's was- why he was searching. Like he was sourcing some local dealers, but their stuff was just terrible. And it's like, I got you. You know, so he like had to he had to find something, you know, something to do real quick. And then I guess it worked out. Okay. so what's the next step here? What's the progression after this? Because you're rolling, you're you're bringing in that kind of weight and coke. I mean, you got to be rolling in the money. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, uh, local attention starts to get attracted. So we're like, let's stop, you know, let's relax with what we're doing. So then we sat down, you know, a couple of weeks go by. I'm just living my normal life. You know, I had a normal job and everything. I'm still hanging out with my friends and all that. And one day he calls me. He's like, you know, come over to my house. You got to talk about something. Right. So I go over his house and I'm like, what's up? Is you know, anything bad happening? He's like, no, 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 no. I got an idea. He's like, you're getting all this weed and acid and cocaine off there. Right. Like, obviously, like, do you know who these people are? Is it like a centralized store that like. Is it like one group of people that just runs the store or is it like decentralized? Like, tell me how it works. And I'm like, well, have you ever been on Amazon? He's like, obviously. I'm like, it's like Amazon. It's just like Amazon. Like anybody could theoretically sign up, post stuff, start selling it. You know, the website takes a commission. So he's like, well, what's that process like? And I'm like, well, in our case, you got to pay like $1,000 in crypto. You know, you got to have a product to actually sell. But I'm like, listen, to really be competitive, like it's not it's not like just having the best shit in person. Right. Right. The the appeal of drugs is that themselves drugs sell themselves in person. But -hmm. if you're on a website specifically for that reason, there's 17 other people that people could just go to to buy what they're looking for. So you got to approach it like a businessman. So I'm like, we need a competitive advantage over, you know, I didn't even know what we were going to sell at the time. So I'm like, we need to have a product at low costs that we could sell it at low costs, relatively speaking. So we need to find something that we can mass produce for cheap. So he's like, listen, out where I was living, I knew about some Mexican individuals that would, uh, they acquired a pharmaceutical grade pill press and they were making per thirties. A whole pill press. A whole pill press. How do you, how does one come upon a whole fucking pill press? So if you don't want the DEA to blow down your door, certain parts you have to get from China and you can get some parts from the U S but, um, to get the certain parts from the U S 
I made it look like, like I tried to appear as a valid medical facility so it doesn't alert, you know, anybody that, you know, I only got certain very, very few parts from that, from, from the United States. And then the other parts we purchased from China and then just assembled it ourselves. And now what exactly is this able to do? Is this able to just to make the imprints in the pills or what? It all makes the imprints in the pills. It makes the pills actually hard, like, like a pill. It compresses it. Mm-hmm. Um, it also is able to assist with, with, with the uh, dosing. So if you're just doing a manual crank press, like that's, that's not calibrated, if you will, like electronically. Uh-huh. Like the you don't know exactly got. how much is going into each pill. Yes, exactly. Okay. And you're doing what you said, Perk 30s? Yes, Percocet 30s. Wow. I didn't even know they went to 30. They do. They do. The, the, these are the blue ones with the M on the front. Right. Okay. Because I think the fives are blue too, aren't they? Honestly, I don't even know. You used to, yeah, obviously, if you're dealing with 30s, you don't know what the fucking five looks like. <laughs> um, now, are these actual perks? Or are they black no. market perks? What is it? No. These 100% are counterfeit perks that were pressed with heroin and fentanyl. Heroin and fentanyl? Yeah. Okay. So, obviously, that's I was going to ask, what's the difference between y'all's perks and these perks? But uh, I'm assuming that's it. What do you mean by, by like real perks? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, a real perk has like an active, like, I believe it's oxycodone in it. It's a, it's right. an opioid analog. My pills had fentanyl in them. Fentanyl is much stronger than oxycodone. Yeah. Okay. So is this kind of in the height of when they are like fentanyl is just kind of everywhere right now causing these mass overdoses? I mean, where is, where is fentanyl at in the news at this particular time? I mean, it was, this was, this was back in like 20, 2020, by the time we actually got everything right, rolling, ready to go, you know? So I, yeah. Sorry, I haven't had it on silent, but that was an alarm and it overrides my silent. Um, so that's, int- I mean, so is it, con- is it a controlled amount of fentanyl that goes into each pill? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I don't want my customers dying. Well, right. Right. Yeah. Obviously you won't repeat business, but that's what I was wondering if it's in a controlled amount that went into each one. And I'm assuming you guys calibrate that yourselves. Yes. Okay. And then you said heroin also. Well, when you buy fentanyl, 99% of the time, it's just already, everything's already mixed together. Mm -hmm. I mean, eventually we found a way to procure like pure fentanyl in like kilogram form, but that's way, way farther down the road in this story. Right. So how much are you selling these pills for? Anywhere from $2 all the way up to $9. And do these customers know that they're not getting a perk 30? Yes. Okay. You know, in the context of the internet, everybody that saw my advertisement on the internet and ordered from me, they saw that these pills were 100% pressed pills. Mm-hmm. And I told them the active ingredient was fentanyl. No if fans, or buts about it. Okay. And you could read that right in my court documentation that that was explicitly stated on my behalf. I did not want to deceive anybody. I think that's actually shady if you deceive people. Right. I believe in that adults have a freedom to put whatever they want in their own body. Right. No, I do too. Um, so are you still doing Coke at the same time you're doing the pill pressing? Yes. Like doing it, like using it myself. Well, well, both using and selling. Um, 
eventually when we when we when we start the pill business like everything else really just fell by the wayside because we realized just how much money this could really make but uh, i was using yeah i was using cocaine pretty religiously at this point myself how much were you doing like in what period of time just i mean in a and were you doing every day like in a week yeah, every single day every single day couple, yeah. a couple grams Oh, depending on the day, some days a half a gram, some days like fucking six grams, seven grams. God dang. Now, where is this pill press located? <laughs> it's located not at my house, not at my uh, business partner's house, right. but at a worker's house that we made an agreement with. Right. To have it there and to actually like make some of the pills as well. We trained him. And is this basically a 24 seven operation? Oh yeah. And you guys are getting the stuff to make the pills. I'm assuming off the dark web. No, no. Okay. So we had local connections from a a street gang and they were able to supply us at first with enough of the active ingredient to be able to make pills at scale. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, eventually again, down the road, we link up with a, Mexicans, let's say, that were able to help us with that solution. But as of this time in the story, we're dealing with a local street gang. Okay. All right. So, I mean, you're making the pills, you're making good money. Like you said, it's almost overweighing the money you can make from the blow, even though you're still doing oh, it's it. It's massively overweighing it. <laughs> right. What's what's next? So let's back up a little bit, right? Okay. Remember when we get to the point where like we first, like we got the pill press and then we decided to actually like, you know, get everything going. Right. So at first I'm like, listen, like I, I've been immersing myself in this ecosystem to try to see the best way to go about introducing our product and how we can be competitive. So there is a forum, you know, very similar to Reddit. It's called Dread. Dread is a place, uh, it's a place for verification and for information, right? So if you're a new person, you go on Dread, you go to the specific forum that's relevant to whatever you're selling. In my case, I went to the opioid forum and I'm like, hey, listen, I'm trying to be a new vendor. I want to do everything the right way. So, you know, can you give me some people who I know are going to actually give me a review in exchange for free drugs? And they obliged, you know, I got the first 10, 20 reviews right? For free samples, just gave away. I ended up giving away probably over a thousand pills actually, just Dang. to get as much buzz as possible. And then from there, I'm like, listen, I want to be a verified vendor. And they're like, you just need a couple of organic sales as in not free product giveaways, as in people coming and buying your stuff. So again, I gave away a thousand pills. So within a week, we get like 30 actual real sales, right? Now, again, that only totals to about anywhere from 500 to just $1,000 in sales. Mm-hmm. But um, the actual proof of concept is there. So some sales are coming in organically now, right? So like we'll make anywhere from 500 to like $3,000 coming in a day. So there is a feature on the dark, uh, on these markets called a sticky. It, that's basically just paying for your, your uh, particular product listing to be featured above all others in right. a particular category. So this is very similar to actual Amazon. If anybody's ever sold anything on Amazon, reviews really matter. People are going to look yes. at your reviews as a seller. The sales, like you said, bump you up. And then I think they even have something to where you can, I forgot the particular name of it, but like a hot tag or something to where yeah, you just search, you know, I'll just, 
you know, a football player specific Jersey, you know, a Christian McCaffrey 49ers Jersey, yours will pop up there before anybody else's a hot tag. That's literally what a sticky is. It's a hot tag. Yeah. Right. So now I have organic traffic, you know, some people just randomly looking me up, not looking me up, looking up the category and they see that I have, I'm doing things the right way. Mm -hmm. And then I actually sticky. So, you know, 14, 15 hours goes by because I stickied right before I went to bed and had to handle all the, you know, the stuff I had to do the next day. The next time I open up my computer, there's like $25,000, $30,000 in sales. So I'm like, okay, now, now we're ready to go. <laughs> That's a good feeling when you see that. Because when, when I used to sell stuff on Amazon, it's legit shit, by the way, if whoever might be listening to this <laughs> podcast, I don't know. If feds Imagine are... selling drugs on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, legit shit. To get mine to start rolling, I created a virtual machine with a new IP and would go in and would purchase what I was selling <laughs> with the gift card from Walmart up under a fit. Cause anybody can create an Amazon account with a, a gift card. It does not have to be a credit card. A lot of people don't know that. And then I would just create an account, go find what I wanted, buy it. So I'm a sense getting the money that I'm spending, although Amazon's taking their cut and then I'm leaving myself a great review. Oh, he's fucking fantastic. Fast shipping, blah, 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 oh. blah. You do that 10 or 15 times, it looks organic to their system because every time I would do it, you would then log out of that virtual machine, create a whole new one. It's a whole separate IP address. So it looks like each individual order is coming from somewhere completely different. It's a lot of fucking legwork because you got to create accounts for every time you do it. And then I would write them down if I ever wanted to go back and do them again for another product. And I imagine since you said it's a virtual machine, you're doing all this on the same exact computer. Yeah. Same as that computer. It's just, it's a whole, it's just like a, a icon up there. You click, you go into a whole virtual machine. It's like a whole nother computer in that one app. Hmm. In, in the case of the dark web, if you do that, they, uh, they'll ban you because they, they can tell if you're doing They can tell. They can tell. Well, I, I, and maybe Amazon did and didn't care. I don't know. The whole point of that virtual machine was supposed to make it look like it wasn't coming from your computer because yeah. i mean it's a whole login to sign into it and everything so but in i would the, imagine the, case, the dark web's a little bit more sophisticated yeah. in the case of the in the case of the buyers they have like buyer ratings as well because again right. there's a lot of people that try to everybody's trying to scam everybody so right if you yeah. see a bunch of new accounts just all, giving a new vendor all this props like they they're not stupid they know what's going on ah uh, yep 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 that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Cause that's what I would do. I would create new accounts and then go to me and then do that. And like I said, sometimes I might would save them for later on, but no, that makes perfect sense for them to be able to, to spot that. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> so perfect. you're getting this going. I mean, $25,000 of sales. You gotta be thinking like, Oh, have you, are you pumping out enough pills to keep up with that? Uh, yeah. At first, but again, Here's the difference. Maybe this is a different difference from Amazon. Tell me if I'm wrong, but the darknet market is all escrow. You don't get paid right away. You get paid when they release your funds, when you actually send them the product. Right. It's with Amazon. It's, it's touch and go. Um, sometimes if you do just say you do a shitload of sales for a high dollar amount, they can hold it for up to 90 days before they give it to you. If it's not a shitload of money, then they will give you your cut. Usually I think they have a one payout day a month. So it might be the, 
the 24th. Now, granted, it's been probably seven or eight years since I've sold stuff on there. It could be changed, but you had like one payout date. Just say you, you scheduled it to be the 24th. So everything you accumulated in that one month would come out on the 24th unless they held your funds. And I had that happen before they put a hold on the entire amount that I was up after like a good month and they held it for 90 days until I got it. And the reason they said was because if anybody come back and claimed that they didn't get what they wanted or had any sort Hard of, issue, they had the money to go and reimburse them as opposed to me yanking it out and it coming out of their pocket. And I assume the reason that also, they also played these games with you is you were a newer vendor. Yes, correct. Absolutely. So similar to what you're doing there. Yeah, very similar. Okay. So besides the fact of I'm breaking a slew of federal laws. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Aside from the <laughs> fact that you're selling that. <laughs> yeah. Like you said, a slew of fucking federal laws. So, I mean, what's your, what's your thought process now when this is starting to come? Cause I'm assuming this isn't a one-time thing. You begin to probably do these numbers quite often. Every, every day, Ooh. every single day. It didn't slow down. It kept growing even from that point. It got bigger. Eventually got to the point where it was like $30,000, $40,000 a day. Dang. Keep, mind you, a sticky is $750. You're paying a lot of money for a, for a, for a sticky, but it, and it's only 24 hours. But that sticky, if, you have, if you're doing well and you have good reviews, that sticky, you're, you got to think like Empire Market was the first market I was on. There's probably 150,000 people in America because I only sold in America. There's probably 150,000 people specifically just looking for opioids. And a good about 80,000 of them are just probably looking for those pills. Right. So you got to think like I had like probably 50, 60,000 like individual impressions on my account of people that over time that actually looked at my listing. So almost everybody in America that was looking for those pills on Empire Market looked at my listing and we would have we would have a really good conversion rate because Empire Market also was growing over time, too. Right. So how much was the sticky? You said 750, 750 for what a week, 24 hours, 24 hours. What on me? <laughs> and you were doing that every day, I'm assuming. As soon as the 24 hours expired, I would just re-up the sticky just to always be there. God damn, that's a lot of money. In that. But I mean, it's it's, it's obviously paying for it so itself. much. Yeah. Holy shit. So that's like another way for them just to make money on top of the money they're already making because they're getting money, a percentage of these sales. Holy shit. That and you could buy banner ads. Wow. Just right on the front page, you could buy a banner ad. Now that was like $50,000, so I wasn't going to do that. That's, I mean, they basically took fucking Amazon and said, okay, let's just corrupt the living fuck out of this whole process from top to bottom and make it illegal. Yep. Literally, that's what they did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So, I mean, are you at this point, do you have to look into changing suppliers or, or what? I mean, because that's a lot to keep up with going from what you started with to now what your demand is. So eventually over time, like we bring it up, like we're getting so much business. We can't like our local suppliers. We went to them and we were like, listen, you got to start giving us wholesale rates, like sell us fucking whole kilos of stuff. Like we don't want just, you know, instead of you breaking down ounces, like four ounces, eight ounces, 12 ounces, kilos at a clip, we would get a kilo and then make like a couple, you know, like a hundred thousand. So odd pills from that more, I mean, from a kilo would be a lot more pills than that, but yeah. Jesus. 
Now, are you manning this website or have you got how many people is in your operation? We had we had about 10 people in the operation. Everything on the Internet was solely on me. So you handled all that shit. That's a lot of work. Yeah, it is. I work like 12 hours a day. Yeah. You I mean, realize just how much work that is because you've been on Amazon. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's I mean, even with the podcast, it's you know, it's constantly creating new content, you know, putting it up on this, putting it up on that. You know, writing captions for this, writing cap. It's just even though it's it's drugs, you still have to stay on top of all that. Like you said, making sure the sticky stays up there, making sure you get orders out in a timely fashion, because that's the last thing you want is some asshole expecting it there on day three and they don't get it and they go on there and leave a bad review and it can fuck all your algorithms up. That happened to me often. We would get to a point where we'd get bottlenecked and I'd have to go in what's called vacation mode where I don't accept any new orders. Right. And also again. All the listeners, like you're hearing these crazy numbers, 20,000, 30,000, even 40,000. I don't get paid all up front. Yeah. I get paid over a period of a couple of days, right? Like, so let's say like the batch out period, if you will, for actually a 24 hour, like amount of time that could take up to two weeks for all that money to actually be in my hands. Right. And that's not counting all the people that would dispute and then make me actually have to like go to the talk to the admins of the website to resolve the dispute. You know what I mean? So and there's people that would do that just to try to get shit free. Oh, all the time. And there would be competitors who would try to do that so they could they could try to screw me out of a pills to to mess up my business, thinking it's going to stop anything. They tried. Clearly, it didn't work. Yeah, they were. I mean, even kind of the same thing like what I was talking about. If somebody is your competitor on there, they could do the same thing: make up or either buy it from their account or make up from somebody else's account, buy it, leave a bad review, and kind of puts you in a little. It takes your focus away from you know the task at hand because you have to fight that and, like you said, go to admins and and state your case. So it's a, it's a dirty game out there, even even on the internet. It don't matter if it's street, internet, dark web, what it is. People are always trying to get a one up. I mean, I stole plenty of their customers too, though. Yeah. I may or may not have employed the exact same tactics they were using on me. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, you just did it a little bit better. (laughs) Well, believe it or not, I wasn't the number one person in this category. I was like at at my peak, like number four. Wow. So somebody's major more numbers than that. There was a dude making like $150,000 every day. He got caught. His name was Polar Springs. That was his vendor handle. Okay. So when you're doing all this, I'm assuming, what are you doing with the cash? The cryptocurrency? Yeah. So, you know, we would either, uh, we would figure out a way to convert some to keep our business going. Like we would pay for drugs in crypto. If If we ever needed any cash, I'll still order some cocaine and we could resell it. I was, so, but but the bulk of your money you would leave in crypto. Yes. Did that ever make you nervous leaving it in crypto? Well, <laughs> majority, a lot, a good amount of it got stolen from the really? from the websites. So, I, I mean, I guess so, but at the same time, like, not not entirely, just because of the nature of everything that's going on. My thought process was get a couple million dollars together and then then figure out like, okay, like. Now that we have the money, let's sit back and then figure out over time how we could uh, launder this and convert this into real businesses and then live happily ever after. Right. Of course, it almost never works out that way, but the yeah. hubris of a young man, you think you could do that. 
now when you say these people can just steal your money when these websites are up and running and i'll just shoot like their version of amazon what'd you say that first one was you were on empire market empire market so they have everybody's information if they just shut down and just close up shop obviously you can't go to the fucking better business bureau and report them did they just keep all that money of course wow and did they ended up they ended up stealing like i think it was like 30 or 40 million dollars when they eventually exit scammed 30 or 40 million yeah not to mention the untold probably like a hundred million dollars they made over time from operating the website Holy shit. Did anybody ever get caught for operating that? For Empire Market? No, they're still at large. Damn. They probably never will be caught because the 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 dark the, the darknet is a ever evolving, constantly changing system. Mm-hmm. It's it's if you if you look at it even even a period of three months is like a period of like three years in the terms of like a normal business landscape. It's always changing, it's always adapting, there's always new players. What makes the dark web harder to infiltrate for, say, like cyber crimes, FBI? What what makes it where they can't figure out whose money this is or who's controlling it? Well, it, well, the, the 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 tracing of the money is one of the things that led to them figuring out who I was and eventually catching me. Right. So that's kind of a misnomer. It's not one hundred percent untraceable. Mm-hmm. Cryptocurrency is on a blockchain. Right. The blockchain is in a, it's in literally an immutable ledger of every single cryptocurrency transaction. And there are companies out there that the government contracts to figure out where all cryptocurrency is going. Right. Mm-hmm. The reason the FBI has trouble actually catching some of the people, I'd say a couple reasons. Number one, Tor, the actual software used to go on there. That was invented, I believe, by the U.S. Navy and the U.S. military specifically for actors outside of uh, you know United States territory to be able to freely send information back because if you go on in the North Korea and you use the North Korean cyber infrastructure to send information back to us they're going to find out so you can go on tour instead and then you know clandestinely send stuff back i believe that's why it was made so this is a military grade clandestine software to be able to transmit information right there that's going to make it hard for the federal authorities. At the same time, they actually have to literally build a case and make everything they do legal. So it takes a long time for them to actually pinpoint and get all the data they would need to, to, to pop a couple of vendors. And the, you know, the vendors much, much smarter than me are able to figure out how to come in, fuck the game up, make a few million and leave. There's a cocaine vendor called Snow White Express. He's been, I used to buy from him off. He was my cocaine supplier from, from Dream Market. And he's still out there. He he would pop up every now and then, make like $10 million and just leave. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So the, the anonymity, you know, that aspect of this, if you know how to package stuff correctly, like in my case, the USPS never seized one of our packages. You know, luckily we did that part correctly. Right. What, what, what the reason that my charge is conspiracy with intent to distribute 400 grams to 1.2 kilograms of fentanyl. The reason I have that is because we were sending packages to FBI undercovers and they were using that weight to actual tack up the, the, the drug charges. Mm. So they were buying it from you on the dark web. Yeah, because anybody can. 
Right. Anybody could go on the dark web and just buy stuff from you. Okay. So that's how they start building their case. They'll just keep buying from individuals. And then if when they ever do finally catch them, they can just stack up those charges. You got to think about it. This is an ecosystem out in the open. Like all the new players, they have to announce themselves on the forums. Mm -hmm. Then they have to go open a darknet market stall, if you will, to then be able to transact and then generate and drum up business. So it's all open. You every darknet market vendor knows the cops are going to order for them at one point. The trick yeah. is to make enough money and then disappear. Right. Now, when you guys are packaging this shit, how are you if if you can share like some of the tricks of the trade you guys are using to go and detect? You triple vac seal it and then you put mylar, you wrap it in mylar so it can't be x-rayed. The reason you triple vac seal is because if you only do it once or twice, there's still particles on the outside of that. Of, of the bag of, of like, you know, actual like drugs and the dog is able to detect that. So you double vac seal it and then they bring it to another location for the final vac seal where there's no drugs at all. Right. And then in the terms of actually um, generating, like if you put a fake name on there and think you could send stuff out, you're a fucking idiot because the USPS has a system in place to actually see that like, these are real people in the community that are registered at the USPS. So we, I, I would go on, let's say I would, I would look at the, um, the area of the, like, you know, the post office for like lots of different packages. And I would look up foreclosures in that area. Right. I would find out the information of people's homes who are in foreclosure, put their names down there, put a, put, you know, put the pack, their, their address is the return address. They'd never get in trouble because literally if, if the return address gets, you know, if the drugs get sent back there and the police show up, they see that it's a foreclosed on house. So it's not like I'm just screwing over random individuals. Right. Right. Um, that is how we would actually be able to go into the post office. Not me, other people, workers, they'd be able to go on there and not have anything be detected because you cannot just throw on fake names. Now, the name that the buyers would give me, I'm putting that on there, but I kept telling them like, hey, my post office isn't going to see that your information is fake. Your post office, though, when they actually get the package to bring it to you, if they see 17 different fake packages, because most people don't just order one package at a time, they order from a bunch of different shit from people, they're going to they're probably going to, you know, tell the local police to blow your door in. So it's in your best interest not to do that. Now, when these would go to these foreclosure homes, that's when they would get delivered going to the foreclosure homes. What do you mean? You said you would go through and find the homes that was in foreclosure and that would be the addresses you would use. Would that be as the sender or the receiver? The sender. Okay. All right. But I right. needed, you got to put fake information on there and you, but you need real people's right. information. You need it to that's look like it registered at the post office. I you got need you. a real return address. If right. you put no return address, automatically alarm bells are going off in the, in their, in their heads. Right. Well, I know a girl that used to work for a restaurant and she would write down credit card numbers throughout the week and then give it about a month. Obviously she wrote down the expirations and then she would give it about a month. She wouldn't do it immediately after because then it's easier to trace like where you went and, and shit like that. So she would wait about a month, sometimes two months. And then she would order stuff with the credit card and have it shipped to houses that she knew nobody was at. And then basically when the tracking would come through, she would just go, go by the house. And if it was there on the porch, she would go up there and get it. And that was what she done for a long time. I mean, obviously we're not talking about, you know, we're talking about probably makeup and maybe a dress or, you know, something like that. Not crazy shit, but that's how she, she would get do it. Caught? 
Yeah, eventually, yeah. <laughs> and she got caught, not even by the people. She got caught writing down the credit card number by another employee. They <laughs> told the, the actual uh, restaurant and the restaurant fired her. I don't think she ever got in trouble for actually doing it. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a win in her book. Yeah. Now, granted, I mean, I don't think she done it for, you know, six months to a year. It was probably maybe a grand total, like 10 or 15 times per her words that she got away with. So, and like I said, it was, you know, maybe ordering a hundred bucks worth of stuff from Victoria's Secret, a hundred bucks worth of stuff from, you know, a makeup place. It was all like girly shit. So it wasn't like she wasn't ordering, you know, $15,000 items and shit. So it was just. You know, a little, little small scam, but yeah, she pretty much got it. She lost her job at the restaurant, but she got away with it, what she was doing. So that's why I was wondering if that's what you were talking about with the, with the fake ad or not fake address, but like the unhabited house where you would just maybe go and pick it up if they dropped it off. Did you guys never use DHL? Do they have different practices as far as checking shit out? DHL, FedEx, UPS. They can just open up any package they want to. You notice every time there's like a little, uh, it's an implied like terms and conditions when you go into those places to send something buried in the legalese. Basically, let me put it in layman's terms. We can open your shit up whenever we want to, if we suspect anything. USPS, they have to actually get a warrant to open up a package and they need these people called postal inspectors mm-hmm. to then go to a judge to say, we suspect, you know, we suspect law breaking is occurring. So Believe it or not, USPS is the best place to ship drugs to people. <laughs> PSA, folks, take that away what it was worth. <laughs> All right. So where are we at now in this story? You're making a ton of money. You're running the website. You know, you're getting now buying it by the key or, you know, or more. Where are we mm-hmm. at? So, I mean, remember, we're, we're getting so much orders coming in. We keep getting bottlenecked, even with the amount that we're getting. And I'm like, we need an even better supplier. Like, we got to, you know, either get even more stuff, sell even more stuff, or we got to drop our margins. And, of course, the only way to then ascend the ladder in terms of our supplier would be to go, you know, to a cartel. You know? Plug, yeah. Yeah. Remember how my friend said, he's like, well, I I knew some Mexican individuals about, you know, where I was living at. Mm -hmm. So he's like, we're going to go take a road trip and I'm going to introduce you to somebody. (laughs) (laughs) And how did that go? Because that's it went well. Really? It went well. I always imagine like the, I'm sure you've seen the movie blow. I always imagine it's like that first meeting when George Young went over there to meet Pablo and And he shoots somebody in the head. It's like, you know, he sees him hug him, shake his hand, turn around. They just blow his fucking brains out all over the wall. And then they're like, Hey, he wants to talk to you. And he's like, I'm not going over there. I'm not going to fuck it. I'm not going over there. No, it was, I mean, the guy and I, we party, we drank tequila and did Coke all night long. We did magic mushrooms and we're shooting machine guns. It was a damn good time. <laughs> is this still in the States or is this in Mexico? This is, this is, this, it's somewhere. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> it's somewhere. And you guys form a partnership with basically you're getting it straight from the source here at this point. Believe it or not. During the time I go to see him, the first exit scam happened. So this dude, like the honestly, the original plan was like, fuck the fuck the pill shit. Let's start moving kilos of blow on there. Let's be the people on there selling the blow instead of buying the blow. And then there's there's a lot more money in there. 
right? Mm-hmm. That was the plan, you know? And these people, they would have had, like, you know, prove it, show it to me. You have as much as you need to do. You know, you have as much as you need to sell. That was the original plan. Now, when I actually go to show him how the shit works, you know, like, it, 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 it exit scammed. And he's like, listen, if I don't see it in his mind, it's all bullshit, which I don't, you know, I don't blame him, right? So eventually we realize we got to go home. I mean, we still struck up a partnership agreement to get the, the, the product that we need to still facilitate our business at wholesale, right? So, you know, eventually we go back home and we start up on another market called Icarus Market. And we, you know, we get, you know, we do about $200,000 in three weeks, right? And then on about the 23rd day of being on there, that exit scams. <laughs> So at this point, I realized that I'm sick of these people trying to, you know, seal our shit. So I, I, I go to the forums and I'm like, listen, I will pay somebody to help me start to build up my own smaller proprietary means of transacting. And I find the correct people to do that. And I set up a way that allows people to directly transact with me and I get paid right away. I'm like, listen, I'm already a verified established vendor. You're just going to pay me up front. I will send you your stuff out, but you know, you should already trust me because I've been on two different markets and I've done all these sales. You know what I mean? I'm not just some newbie coming saying, send me all your money. No. But you are the domain that these people are going to now. Not all. No, no, not nearly as much business on the markets, but I'm still doing a respectable amount, you know, 10, $15,000 every day or so. Yeah, that's definitely a respectable amount. <laughs> Cocaine RS over here. <laughs> what are what are these people buying? Like, at what quantities is any all? Sometimes people are just getting the minimum order was ten pills, right? Okay. On my website, on my specific like service, I guess. Okay, so it. you're still selling the pills that when you go to your own thing. all the pills. We never ended up selling cocaine ever. Okay, all right. All because, the pills because it fell all through. He was reluctant to start up that particular part of the business because well, i'm thinking i'm like listen like if we just add them as partners and go like we will we will fucking we will dominate the game like we could make a quick 30 million dollars and then just leave yeah and live the rest of our lives happily ever after but again fate didn't have that like while i was literally meeting this person the fucking website exit scammed so they're sitting there looking at me like okay i mean we'll still like you like you guys still have money like you could buy something from us yeah. You know, but like to partner with you on something, it, it doesn't, they didn't want to do it after that, which I, I understand. I can see that. I can see that. I mean, a lot of these guys too, I'm betting are probably old school. All of them are old school. Yeah. So all of them. this new age buying shit on the computer probably doesn't even really appeal to them anyway. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure if I showed them like actually there, they probably would have did it. But yeah, if you showed them the numbers, but I'm saying with, and especially like when you're saying, okay, this is what you can do. You open up the computer to kind of give them an example and then it's crashing. They're thinking, well, this might happen all the time. It's it's just exactly. not, a, it doesn't put a good, it's not a great first impression into this side of the exactly movie. exactly so as fate had it we didn't end up doing that looking back that's great because i would have sold million tens of millions of dollars of cocaine and i would have be in jail a lot longer <laughs> so it's good that that didn't work out man all right. all right so now you're back rolling with the pills what happens next so remember how i said icarus market exit scam we have our own service that's doing pretty well but ideally you want to be on the markets because they just have they have you don't you don't beat 1.2 1.3 million eyeballs you just don't you just don't beat that 
You know what I mean? So eventually there is a service called White House Market that pops up and they they're kind of fucking up the game. They become the new centralized service. They're the preeminent market. Now, I try to go on there. Right. And we actually do, you know, but they're they're much more tedious with their verification process. Right. So I they give me an account for free because they could already tell who I was like. I'm a very established vendor. I'm able to prove who I am. Right. But then I get a little fed up and I'm thinking I need to route as many of these new customers to my service as possible. So about a week and a half goes by and then I saw, try to sign on to my White House market account and I was banned because they're like, no, 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 no. If you're going to be on our platform, you're going to be on our platform. You're not going to route customers to your own platform. Right. So luckily there are some usually there's just one you know preeminent market. But in like, a, um, I guess I'd like to call it like golden ages, if you will, there'll be a couple markets that people will go on that are actually good, right? And enough time has passed to see which markets are bullshit or not. Like I could, I had an opportunity to go on a market called Deep Sea Market that I knew right away they were scammers. And then they eventually stole like $15 million. So, and they exit scammed. So we end up on a market called dark market. Again, they give me an account for free. We start rocking and rolling, right? But by this time, there's new competitors out there. And the new competitors are just fucking cleaning us up. <laughs> They're just beating us. They're offering better prices. Even, even though I have like the means to make the pills, they're still offering better prices. They're able, they, they, and these people are also able to go on other market. Like, again, I'm banned on White House. So they're able to go on White House that has like almost 2 million users. I'm on a market that has like 600,000. That's still a ton of people, but that's not 2 million. Right. Yeah. You know? It's a lot of eyeballs that's not being able yeah. to see the particular product. What is, what is, to stop what is there to stop the fbi from making one of these things their their cells um like actually i, I <laughs> nothing <laughs> so they could in effect and i'm not even talking about the bus people they can in effect create one of these fucking uh sites that you're talking about collect a lot of money close up shop not only collect evidence on a bunch of usernames, but make a shitload of money. No, the FBI would never do that. What are you talking about? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I don't know what I was. Yeah. Thinking. <laughs> um, I, I bet my ass that's happened. I don't know for certain, but the FBI is a reputable institution that has never done anything wrong. <laughs> we know who's trying to get some brownie points here for sure. <laughs> All right, so you're having trouble not being able to get your product in front of as many eyes as you want. What's next here? Our competitors end up beating us because they're able to just grow like a weed because they're on dark market, which is a respectable market, but they're also on the big boy market. So they're able to just consolidate everything. Okay. So, I mean, what is your move? I mean, you're, you're looking at an exit strategy or you're looking at what's your, what's your thought process? The thought process, again, sit back, make a little bit more money and then exit. But then dark market got seized by the German authorities. So I'm shitting my pants a little bit because they have back end data that's useful to catch people like me. The authorities actually get to see the behind the scenes picture. 
And I don't know what type of data these websites are keeping on me in terms of, let's say, like packeting location information and, you know, stuff like that. I don't know how much metadata they're actually able to hold. So I get spooked and I just shut everything down. You know, over time, my business partner is like, listen, I'm going to I'm going to go move out of state and start my own construction company. I'm like, OK, thank you. It was a pleasure doing business with you. You know, you you were right by me. You treated me right. I treated you equally you know, well. So we left amicably. Now, you guys have I'm assuming at this point, what, what year is it now? How long has it been since you first started? As of like right now or this point in the story, this point in the story. This is 20, this is 20, since we very first started, I'd say probably like 11 months, no, like 13, about 13 months, I'd say. Oh, wow. So, I mean, that's, I mean, that's a lot to just really in a, essentially a short amount of time. That's a lot from jumping to one place to another to try to get your stuff listed. That's, that's a lot to do in a short amount of time. But I'm assuming yeah. you guys made a pretty decent amount of money. <laughs> you know, we lost a lot of it. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's almost all of it. That that's uh, what to say. The, the game is the game. I think it's uh, been rephrased in the wire and thing, shows like that. You almost have to look at that at some point. You're going to take a L in some way, be it through the internet, through the street, through whatever. L's are going to come. That's just part of business. Hmm. Hmm. Now. Uh, I also got a target letter around this time from the FBI mm. stating that they were tapping my one of my phone. I had like seven different phones. They were tapping one of my phones. They sent you a letter telling you they were tapping your phone? Legally, they have to. If you're the target of an investigation, they have to send you that letter. They have to send you a signed warrant indicating that your property was seized. In this case, the property was the contents of my phone, like my call data, my call logs, my call tolling. That's considered, I guess, property to an extent. So a warrant is needed. So when you get that, it's already been seized. No, 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 no. I don't mean seized in the sense that they took my phone. Right, right, but they have access to it. Yes, of course. They were tapping my phone. Yeah. Okay. But I'm saying by the time you get the letter, it's like, you're like, oh shit, they already got this, this, and this. You're probably looking through your phone going, fuck, that was still in there. All those devices were already destroyed at this point. I wasn't worried about that. Oh, okay. But just but I was worried they were on to you in general. Yes. I, I okay. at that point I thought I was a hundred percent away with it scot free. Like I had no indication that they, you know. How long after- before you shut shit down before you finally got that letter? Because then that letter it didn't get to you on the first attempt, right? It took a little while. It took like fucking five times. If <laughs> why was it not getting to you? They're sending it to my mom's house. That's my last like address on my like license. Okay. My mom's like, I don't know what this is. I don't want this. And then eventually, remember how I said we shut, you know, shut down when our own separate ways. I moved back home. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to live a nice, relaxing, you know, life. I don't want to do anything crazy. I want to just, you know, figure out what next play is, you know. And then eventually I opened up like my mom's like, this is came like fucking three, four times. What is this? So eventually I take it and just open it up and I see what the documents are. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> What is your thought process at that point? I mean, it's just- I need to get the hell out of this general area. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't mean to laugh at this because it's not, I can only imagine what you're feeling at this particular moment, but you said like you, you took off at this point, right? Yeah. I moved out West. 
when when Matt Cox was doing your interview, he's like, you know, that it's really not that big of a deal for them to get in the car and come find you. Did you take any steps to change your identity, try to mask who you were? No, I mean, no, no. Looking back in retrospect, do you think that might have been a better play? No, <laughs> they're going to find you. Anyway. Unless you know what Matt Cox can do and like literally create a valid fake identity. Outside of that, there's no way to mask yourself from the FBI. Yeah, it's kind of like if they got you, you might, you might can, you might can dodge it for a little bit, and possibly maybe just hope shit goes stale or whatever. But obviously, at some point, they're gonna catch you. How did that happen with you? In terms of what? How did they finally catch you, or did you wind up turning yourself in? So eventually, right, I cut off communication with everybody when I move out west to just isolate myself and see what transpires. You know, how it's funny. It's ironic that Matt Cox made that joke like they could hop in the car. The the FBI went when they actually uh, February 11th, 2022. That's the day that they actually showed up to, uh, to arrest me. Mm-hmm. They showed up to the address I was actually operating, like the computer app. They didn't show up to my mother's house initially. They showed up to the address I haven't lived at. So, how did you know they showed up there? You know, through the grapevine. Okay, I've been neighbors. Uh, yeah, it's fucking twenty-five cop cars in your yard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So at this point, you know for sure, like the the heat is on. I mean, what is your display? Do you want to, at this point, is it maybe worth thinking about facilitating a surrender to try to maybe strike some sort of a a goodwill gesture for a deal? That is exactly what I did. And I had to find my way from out West all the way to Washington, DC to get to Alexandria, Virginia, which is like, you know, five minutes out from Washington, DC to the present myself at the court that my actual arrest warrant came out of. So I retained a lawyer in that area found my way out to D.C. You know, I couldn't use my car because, you know, if, if the federal government wants you, every piece of identifiable information is, is out there. Like they will get you. So I, uh, in a clandestine fashion, moved my <laughs> all across the country to turn myself in at the court. And there's a reason you've done that, right? Like to try to get to where your warrant was out of, because if you get caught anywhere else, there's all, a yeah, if you get process. caught anywhere else in front of a judge, the judge is, what, what am I going to say to a judge? I was going to turn myself in. Yeah, what I am was I all the way. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're going to, it's going to look like complete bullshit. Even if it's not like, yeah, it's going to look like complete bullshit. But if I literally walk into the courthouse, what could they say? And that is the only reason I'm still out on bond right now. Mm-hmm. I turned myself in. And What's the, when you meet up with this lawyer, you told him the whole situation, you laid it all out. Hey, this is what's have to. Yeah. You got to have to, you can, you know, don't ever lie to your lawyer, right? You don't have to like it's attorney client privilege. Anything you tell that lawyer is protected by attorney attorney client privilege. Exactly. You don't have to lie to him. Now I would be like, if you're, if you're in prison, right. I would say like, they're not supposed to use what you say on the phone, but keep in mind, everything you use say on the phone is recorded. Any email you send from the prison computer is recorded. Mm -hmm. You know, the only way that they won't record you at that point is if you're sitting in, in, in a, in a room with your judge face to face, you know, but on paper, they're not supposed to use that information. 
Yeah. I even just done a case here recently where supposedly a bug was in a visiting room of a prison to pick up someone else, supposedly, and it overheard an individual. The police would never do that. Yeah. Supposedly it overheard another individual that allegedly facilitated the murder of a federal judge. And they used the tape that they overheard them talking about in court to arrest him. One of them was actually Woody Harrelson's father, Charles Harrelson, who was supposedly wow. the first ever person to do a hit on a federal judge. That's a whole wow. rabbit hole of another story. But yeah, that's true. He was a hitman. Hmm. Yeah. A lot of people don't know that. Um, so he tells you to go ahead and turn yourself in. What are the steps there? I mean, they immediately book you. Do you have how long before you get bond? So the marshals have a holdover. Like there's actually like a marshal station right at the courthouse. They arrest me. They process my fingerprints. They swab me. They take pictures of my scars. They take a picture of my eyes. They uh, take a, just a general like mugshot of me. And then they um, they said, well, because it's, it's uh, Friday, we're going to have to bring you to a holding facility and then bring you back on Monday to actually have your initial appearance. Probably should have waited till Monday. Yeah, but, uh, you know, shoulda, coulda, woulda. I just wanted to get this over with. Yeah. I learned that early on. I had a friend of mine that uh, made the mistake. He he found out that the cops were wanting to talk to him, and he went, like, on a Friday evening. And by the time they actually booked him, it was, like, later in the day. And I guess they wouldn't allow him to come out of it. So he had to stay in there all weekend. And that was – I remember I actually went with his brother – to get him out of jail and he come out and that was the first words he said when he got in the car he was like i know from now on not to ever fucking go talk to the cops on a friday <laughs> yeah in my case though those two extra days like i could have got arrested at any point so right. i just wanted yeah. to get there as soon as possible yeah and i mean that's probably a good thing you did i mean it's showing at least good faith that you coming and turning yourself in trying to you know start owning up to all this what are they charging you with Conspiracy with intent to distribute at a minimum 40 grams of fentanyl all the way up to, you know, theoretically like 50 kilograms. Jeez. What are you facing? I was facing five years, anywhere from five years to 40 years and up to a $5 million fine. Got so mighty damn. (laughs) 40 years and $5 million is the worst case scenario. Oh, it could be even worse. They could charge my restitution the full amount of money that my store generated. And a lot of which you don't even have anymore. A lot no, of which was none, of, none of which I have anymore. Yeah, yeah. None of which you don't have. I mean, a lot of which was stolen from you. See, that's what that's the one thing people will will put that amount on you, not counting in the actual logistics that, you know, you not all that was profit. Not all that went to you. So most of it never even made it to you to begin with. Like you said, when these sites would shut down. Just say you might have had forty or fifty thousand dollars in there. More that went to them, like four hundred or five hundred thousand in escrow. Jesus! So they're counting that as oh, he made this much money, and you didn't see a fucking penny. Yeah. So like when when Empire exit scam, there may have been over a million dollars in my vendor account waiting to clear that they just took from me. Oh my god! I'd have been fucking sick. <laughs> and you have no idea how to. I mean, obviously, there's no way to get it back, but like, there's, I would, oh God, I want to get my hands on somebody that fucking stole a million dollars. Yeah, but I could just, I could just open up shop somewhere else and make all of it back again, which is what I did. All right. So you get, they do grant you bond. 
okay, this is where things get very interesting. <laughs> in an initial appearance, that's the first, like, you're, uh, the agents in your case actually go to the court, right, mm -hmm. to, to, to be testifying in front of the judge as to why you don't need bond. Mm -hmm. Remember how I said that I contracted people to help me build my own proprietary service? Yeah. They were all undercover FBI agents. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> 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 so all these people that are testifying are, are up there saying that you there is a special agent there is an intelligence analyst intelligence analyst two intelligence analyst three and i'm like god damn <laughs> all of them saying this guy wanted us to facilitate a whole shop for him yeah wow no not wanted to did it yeah did did <laughs> So what is going through your mind in there when you're realizing that everybody that is coming up here and talking to you initially just basically explained exactly what you were doing? You had to realize, oh, fuck, this is not good. I'm going to fucking trial. I'm going to win. That's your mindset. Yeah. Wow. My mindset was I'm going to get bond this hearing. I'm going to get out and I'm going to figure out how to win. Did you get that bond? was my exact mindset. Did you get bond? Of course. I'm still out now awaiting federal self-surrender. What What was your bond? PR bond. I had a very good lawyer. Okay. Again, we're going to break some of this down for people that may or may not have been in the legal system shit at some point or another in their life. A PR bond is essentially you don't have to put up any sort of money for that i mean like how the fuck did you pull off a pr bond first time offender non-violent felony no flight risk turn myself in yeah but still with those charges you would think a pr bond really i mean i would think a bond bond like a hundred thousand if not higher never got in trouble before that's how it goes in the federal system it's how many times you've actually been in here okay all right yeah, I mean, and also too, it's to assess flight risk level. That's the only purpose of a bond is to ensure you come back to court. That's the right. only purpose of a bond. Yeah. I literally turned myself in. You're telling me I'm not gonna, I'm gonna go through this trouble while you guys didn't know where I was. I still, I could have just ran to another country. Mm -hmm. You're telling me I'm gonna go through all this trouble, retain a lawyer for come fifty thousand dollars, and then just disappear after that? No, I'm gonna what, handle this problem. What was the PR bond? So I had conditions. So like any, all my electronics had to be monitored. I had to stop doing drugs, no more cocaine and weed. Yeah. I had to have an actual job. Cost of doing business <laughs> <laughs> or freedom rather, I guess. <laughs> I had to get a regular job. And, uh, I had to, you know, come back to every single court appointment that I had. Were you on house arrest? No, no. I was able to freely move around the entire jurisdiction of Connecticut. Wow. And they're just monitoring your electronic usage. You're not prohibited from using electronic. Exactly. Yes. Hmm. All right. Now, what is your lawyer and you thinking here? Like, what is y'all's attack plan to, to get you best case scenario? It's a conspiracy charge. They need to show that I was an element to that conspiracy. They need to connect me so they need to demonstrate that I was orchestrating the actual sale of drugs because they were charging me as the ringleader organizer. So they had to demonstrate that I was the actual organizer. Right. Instead of just a, a player. 
Exactly. Exactly. Okay. All right. I got you. And I'm assuming that worked. No, they got me on the ringleader organizer charge. Yeah, That's why I all went to court. Year. Yep. Yep. That's why oh. I had the five years. How long was the court uh, process? September, October, November, December, January, February, March, April, six months. And when you're saying April, like this is in last April 18th, this or no. Yeah. The 18th of this month. Yeah. So less than a month ago. Yeah. I was sentenced. Yeah. And what did they give you? Five years board of prison time. And I know where I'm actually going now. I'm going out uh, into Pennsylvania outside of Philadelphia, five years probation, $50,000 fine. All things considered, that's that's not a bad deal. The government, this is what the judge gave me. The government was asking for like 14 years, $5 million fine, and like 10 years of probation. Jeez. Obviously, if they're monitoring your finances, they know you'll never be able to pay a fine like that. <laughs> It's not about it's not about rehabilitation. It's about punishment. Yeah, it's they want to p- make sure you remember that every paycheck you ever make for the rest of your life because your wages will be garnished as long as it's above board. I mean, it's like you said, it's a punishment. I mean, when is your date to actually turn yourself in? July 20th. I mean, so how is that resonating with you right now? Like knowing that you are going to have to go and and do a little bit of time. Peaceful. Now I know what I have to do to clear myself and become a a normal citizen again. It's not up in the air. I'm not looking at 14 years of my time being taken from me. Mm -hmm. I'm only looking at five years for what I did. And that's not bad at all for the caliber of, 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 of what I was doing. No, it's not. And you know, you're not the first person that's been in this some sort of business that said when everything finally come crashing down and it was over and they were caught that they had an enormous sense of relief. The pressure yes. was off. Yes. You know, and in, and in some cases, maybe not so much in, in your case, but like in their case, they're in the street. It's not through the Web. So he's like, you don't have to worry about, you know, somebody trying to kill you or somebody trying to shoot you or set you up. It was just like, once you finally got in there and you got sent, it was like, all right, now I got to do this time. I'm going to concentrate on the time. But everything else was just, it was like a weight lifted off of them. Mm-hmm. So what is your plans while you're in prison? Because i got to tell you, listening to the story, it would make an excellent either standalone documentary or movie or something or book or something or podcast series. It needs to be something to put in all the details. Cause I'm sure we've just broad stroked, you know, your time and all this, there's a lot more stuff that I'm sure could be fit into a platform like that. What is your plan to, you know, pass the time while you're in prison? Formulate a strategy for the businesses. I'm going to start when I get out. I'm actually in the middle of doing that as we speak. Um, you know, exercise, read, keep to myself because I don't want to get wrapped up in any bullshit that's happening there and get, have to spend more time of my life there. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, you know, focus on improving myself as opposed to languishing. Cause again, I'm lucky I'm going to be getting out in a reasonable amount of time. And you said this is a fed prison, right? Of course, yes. I mean, so not, not as bad as going into a state prison. 
No, but there are some there are some very bad federal prisons. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've, I've heard stories of people that were going to federal. I mean, they got some of the the biggest gangsters that you ever wanted to see in, in some of the federal prisons. Even I think it was in North Carolina, like Bernie Madoff. Was that a um a prisoner down there? Not yeah. that he's violent, but uh, uh Carmine Persico, who uh, ran one of the, the mob families, was there for a long time. I want to say the guy that was working with Whitey Bulger that was in the uh, that was in the like the side of the law. I forgot his name. I want to say he was there. So there are some places with some tough customers, even though it is in Fed. It's not. Exa- I mean, prison's prison. It's not state, but it's damn sure not you know the Holiday Inn for sure. I mean, I'm, luckily, I'm going to a camp. Camp. Okay. See, and I know that for a fact. So it's not going to be crazy. Right. That's not bad. I mean, I talked with Tommy Chong, who I'm sure you've heard Tommy Chong uh, teaching. Yeah. And he went, he had to go to a camp for a while when he got busted with his uh, marijuana paraphernalia stuff that he was selling. The Fed or the government kind of boxed him in and was charging him with like selling it across state lines or something along those lines. And basically they wanted him because of his name and he was the figurehead of the company. And he struck a deal that if the, he pled guilty and they dropped the charges, they would leave his son and his wife and everybody out of it because they were trying to bring charges against everybody. And he went and did, I want to say six months, maybe more. And he's the, he's the only person that ever told me he was looking forward to going to jail. He was like, I was looking forward to the adventure. And I was like, I don't think I've ever heard anybody say that before. But if I had six months, I'd look forward to the adventure as well. Yeah, six months. I don't know. I don't know if I want to go for six months, but he met Jordan Belfort while he was in there. And he okay. was the one to convince Jordan, not convince him. Jordan was already writing it. He was already writing his book, which we're going to become Wolf of Wall Street. But I guess he was giving Tommy Chong the page like, you know, what do you think of this? What do you think of this? And he was telling him, he's like, I can't read two pages. You know, you have to give me a lot to absorb, a lot to take in. And he's like, one thing you got to do when you write a book, everything has to be the most of. He's like, so when you were going in a car and a boat, you were going the fastest you've ever been. When you were high, you were the highest you've ever been. And I was like, <laughs> well, he damn sure took your advice because in that movie, he got high as a motherfucker in that movie. I mean, everything was the most of. So, I mean, not that it's, you know, you have to pick out the positives in every situation. You're going to this camp. I don't think it's going to be quite as much pressure of going to some. There's definitely worse places you could be going. I think that will give you time to focus, like you said, on your businesses. Are you planning on putting this into the form of a book or podcast documentary or something like that? Is that in your mind? Yes. All right. And I'm assuming you're going to start that while you're in prison. Yeah, I'll start that. I'll start that. All right. You... How much of the percentage of the time do you have to do? Are you eligible for a parole after a certain amount? Eighty-five percent. Eighty-five percent. So that'll put but you. I, I get. I got RDEP, the, the residential drug abuse treatment program, and that knocks time off. That knocks time off. Also, the First Step Act and the CARES Act, depending on the facility, you could use those acts to get out on home confinement or house arrest, or um, and also halfway house, a combination of one of those things, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're still in the custody of the Board of Prisons, but I'd rather be in, in the custody of the Board of Prisons in my own house than but in a yeah. prison. Yeah, I was on house arrest for quite a long time, and it was damn sure better than being in prison. I can tell you that much. Mm-hmm. Was that like PTI, like pretrial intervention? No. That's that's the wipe your record, right? It's like you double the fine, wipe your record, and 
no, yes. at least the, the person that I know that done it. Um, and then it was no jail time, but it wasn't nearly on the scale of what you were arrested for. No, no. Honestly, looking back at it, if the, remember how I got a target letter, right. You know, uh, the, uh, 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 the special agent in my case put his contact information in that packet and said, call me. I never ended up calling him. I never ended up interacting or talking with the government. Um, but if I did it first, they probably would have given me a pretrial intervention looking back at it. Wow. So, I mean, where does all this sit with you, man? I mean, you know, looking back, it's been a hell of a experience. Do you wish you never would have asked that fucker where he got that weed to, to put you in this no, position now? No, 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 no. No one put me in this position. I put myself. In this well, position. yeah, but I'm saying like you asked him, Hey, where you got the, where'd you get this weed? And then he opened up that laptop and that got your wheels turning. Do you wish going back that maybe you didn't give a shit where you got the weed? You just smoked it and went on about your business. I wish I just kept ordering stuff off there as a myself. Yeah. You know, I wish like if, if you could start a, a, um, a dark web business and make millions of dollars on there, you could start almost any e-commerce business and make a lot of money. Yeah. And not have to go to jail doing it. Right. So that's exactly how I'm like, I, I could sit back and live in sorrow the rest of my life, or I could make appearances on shows like this, you know, and try to show people like, listen, in a million years, no one when I was growing up ever thought I'd be in the situation I'm in. It could happen to anybody. It could happen to anybody really can. And also too, I want to get into e-commerce. I want to start, um, a digital marketing company. I'm partnered with somebody right now. I want to be do defense contract and consultation. I can't be the person to sell, you know, defense goods, but I could help help with the um the bidding process. Mm -hmm. You know? Well, and I mean that I think to an extent though, that is anybody, no matter what you get involved in, money, like they say, is the root of all evil. And it will corrupt your mind. It will bend your mind and it will start off slowly. Okay. Well, if I do this, that's okay. And then it just, it's like a drug habit. It, it, it essentially is a drug to a certain extent because it starts to become your main goal. It'll take over. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, if I do this, I can make this much. And then if I take that and put it here, I can make this much. I'd and say it, the thrill in my case was the most yeah. addictive thing, knowing yeah. that there's at federal agents trying to find me, knowing that at certain points, to an extent, I was actively fooling them and got away with it for a period of a few months. There is there is there is no greater thrill than that, in yeah. my opinion, at least. Yeah. Knowing that you're actually delivering shit to the cops, like you said, unless that's part of the game, they're going to be on their order and knowing that you're delivering it to them and they still can't fucking stop. It. Exactly. Yeah, I got what you're saying. Well, man, I can't tell you how much I've appreciated you coming on the show and telling you the story. Um, you know, obviously you got a lot to try to get done between now and the time you, you turn yourself in. It sounds like you got everything in line. You got a good head on your shoulders as far as what you want to do, because that's the most important thing, man, is turning something negative into a positive. I think that's what you have to do in these situations. That's what got me into podcasting was turning you know, my negative situation in this positive. So, I mean, it, it sounds like you're heading in the right direction, man. And we wish you nothing but the best. And hopefully that time goes by quick as shit and you're out and about and, and rolling in whatever venture you decide to get into. Thank you very much for your time. I appreciate coming on your podcast. Thank you, Matt Cox, for connecting me to this great podcast and all the other ones. Absolutely. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I am Hollywood Wade. 
That was Kobe Cop. And unfortunately, we are out of time. Tune in next week for an all new episode of Crime and Entertainment. Kobe, we appreciate it, my friend. Thank you. Well, boy, oh boy, what an episode that was. I mean, a lot of money to be made out there. I think the ones that are really getting off good is the people that are putting up these sites on the dark web. They let the traffic get in there. The money started to get floating around and they just close up shop and leave and get off scot-free seemingly. So a lot of money to be made out there. If you got the smarts and the ingenuity to pull it off, uh, obviously Colby didn't come out on the better end of things. He did get caught. He's got to go do a five-year stretch in a uh, fed camp. So we wish him all the best doing all this time. We want to, you know, tell him how much we appreciate him coming on the show and telling his story. And I mean, you know, a cautionary tale, ladies and gentlemen, the, the easy money will draw people in, but as he said, there's not going to be a lot, unless you just exit at the right time and then don't have anything to do with it anymore. Odds are, especially in today's times, even with Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, there's still a paper trail, folks, so it's not going to work out good for you. Are some people getting away with it? I'm sure they are to a certain extent, but if they keep up with it, eventually it's going to lead to prison for sure. So, you know, look at this story as a cautionary tale. Look at this podcast. It's a great fucking show. That's what I want you to do. Head on over to all the social medias the platforms that we're on YouTube, like subscribe, hit that notification bell, get notified. Every time we drop a video, we're going to do another midweek drop this week, another behind the gangster this time on Paul Castellano. So make sure you get notified when that gets dropped, head on over to Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, whatever your listening pleasure is, ladies and gentlemen, and rate review whatever you can do to help drive crime and entertainment up the charts, up the levels, get us in that algorithm, if you will. Also on the social medias, Facebook crime and entertainment on the Instagram crime, the letter in and entertainment. You can also head on over to our website that is now up running and operational crime and entertainment.com. We got some merch on there, some cool t-shirts and stuff going over there and see if you see anything that tickles your fancy. It'd be mighty appreciative if you would do so. And we just want to thank everybody for listening in each and every week. We really appreciate it. A lot of work goes into doing this, uh, you know, once a week. It's a lot of behind the scenes. You guys just get the finished product, which is always, you know, sounds seamless. But trust me, there's a lot of fuck ups, a lot of edits, a lot of redos, a lot of restarting computers. A lot goes into it. So we hope you guys are enjoying it. Please leave comments. Uh, we love talking with you guys. If you know anybody that maybe wants to be a guest, reach out on social media. Let me know. We will take it under advisement and see if we can't make that happen. And that will do it for today. That was Kobe Cop, former drug kingpin of the dark web. And I'm Hollywood Wade. Until next time, we are out.